in uh, this talk about revival. Uh, revival, man, in fact, it's become, you're hearing about on the news, the, the revival that's going on up in Asbury. Uh, the one, it's going on over Lee. I even saw this week we're over at uh, Tennessee Tech. They were having a prayer event. And, and it, so it's a, there is a move of God that I believe is happening. That's not a question. The question is, are we going to be part of it? That's the question. Now, how many was here last week? Wow, what was it not a powerful service? In fact, our 9 a.m. lingered over to the 11 a.m. to where the people that showed up at the 9 a.m. stayed for the 11 a.m. And, hey, I saw a pastor friend of mine. I was telling him this. He said, now you know it's a move of God. Because those people that show up at 9, they're there because they want to get out early. And if they're staying for the 11 a.m., so. <laughs> Come on, we know it's true. If, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be at the 9 a.m. So let me be honest. Uh, you are the crazy people. So the 11 a.m. But we believe it, and it is a move of God. And you say, Kelly, was that revival? I believe it could be the start of a revival. I believe that last week was a spark that could potentially lead, lead to authentic revival. I, I do believe that. You know, me and Chris Lam was talking, and, and Chris was talking to me. He said, revive means to, you know, I'm thinking bring dead people back to life. And, and as Christians, a lot of us aren't dead. We just need a, an awakening. Amen. We're asleep. So I began to think about what he said and revive revival and look at what the Bible said, where it said revive or revival. And here are a couple of places, Psalms 85, 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Revive. Psalms 138, uh, 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. That's pretty good, right? Let me give you the Hebrew word. When it says revive, what it actually means. Bring that up for me. This, this word, the way you pronounce, some of you remember I did a whole series on this. The way you pronounce this word is like a karate move. Hayah. So, they, you know Hebrew. Hayah. Here's what it means. To live, cause to live, to stir up or rekindle as a fire, to recover from a state of neglect, obscurity, or depression, to refresh with joy and hope. I believe that describes what needs to happen in our world right now. A refreshing of joy and hope. A rekindling of a fire that once burned. See, this, the Spirit of God, I believe, has been in a state of neglect. I be, why? Because I believe we've just started doing church. And instead of coming and being the church. We just started doing church. And, and, and with that, we, we've got... Um, familiar, very familiar with it. And, and when you get familiar with something, you, let me say, man, do you remember when you first started dating your wife? Wives, do you remember when you start, started dating? Man, you would go out of the way to make yourself look good, right? You would spend time on the phone. I mean, you, anybody remember this? You hang up. No, you hang up. You, no, you, you. Anybody ever fall, up, fall asleep talking on the phone? Okay, some of you, that's happened with me, but I, and I apologize for that. Um, but you were boring. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. You remember that. But then what happened? We got familiar with it. You know, men just started showing up, quit opening up car doors. Women started acting like those oversized baggy sweatpants and T-shirts were a great option. So, <laughs> so, man, I'm waiting out deep here. I got to back up. I'm finding myself in trouble. But that's what happens. And I believe that's what the church has got done with the Spirit of God. We've grown really familiar with it to where we treat it as common. And, and I can't speak for any other church, but I can't speak for this church. 
And as your pastor, I'm telling you that the changes we are wanting to see in our communities, in our schools, in our local government, in our homes is only going to happen when we begin to rekindle the passion that used to burn in us. That's the only way it's going to happen. And, and I don't want to talk about what's going on all over the world. Because, listen, that's great. You know, what, whatever. I, but what concerns us is what's happening here? What's happening in your world, your community that you live in? And, and here's, here's the thing. I believe our communities are flatlining. And what they're needing is somebody to take the paddles and put them on them and shock them back to life. And guess what, church? You are the paddles that God is choosing to use. The problem is most of us don't have enough power in us to charge anything. Let's less recharge a life because we need it rekindled. We need it to come alive in us again. And here's the thing, guys. You and I, we haven't been saved just so we can come to church, just show up every now and then or when it's convenient. We are God's plan to spread the good news. And this world has got enough bad news. We need to be the good news. We need to be the people. See, Denise and I went and saw Jesus Revolution yesterday. And one of the things that the main guy, I call him Jesus because he plays Jesus in the Chosen movie. But he's a hippie in this that has found Jesus. And he's talking to this pastor that pastors a local church there. Congregation is dying. And they get together and he's like, he's like, my people will only come through doors that are open to them. And right now, your church, those doors are closed to us. And guys, I'm going to tell you, I, I believe this world is dying for hope, for good news. And we better make sure our doors are open to them. But not only that, we've got to be ready. We've got to rekindle something in us so that when they do walk through those doors, we've got something to give them. Listen, 9 a.m., they didn't shout a lot either, so I'm not expecting it, so I'm ready now. But if you, if you, you know, the more response, the quicker I preach. This could be a long day. So let's, let's go. On. Oh, listen now. I listen, that's a pity shout. Um, <laughs> we are in desperate need of a renewed passion. Can, are, are, you, are you with me? We need it. Uh, let me give you one more verse that has the word. Well, it, it's got a different word than revive, but the same, the same thing. Look, look at this, Habakkuk 3.2. This is my prayer. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat Yaha, or Haya, not Yaha, Yaha, repeat them in our days, in our time, make them known. That word repeat is the same Hebrew word used for revive. He said, God, I've heard of your name. I don't know about you. I'm tired of hearing about the revivals. I'm ready to experience revival. I'm tired of hearing about the miracles, the supernatural things going on. I want to experience, and this is my prayer. Lord, I've heard about it, but what I'm asking you is to revive them in our day, in our cities, in our churches, in our communities. Come on. So with that being said, let's, let's now start. 2 Kings chapter 12. If you got a Bible, if not, we're going to put it up here. Let me give you a little backstory uh, to work before we jump in. From the time King David died up until when we jump in here to 2 Kings 12, there have been eight different kings. Eight different kings. You've got Solomon, son of David. Started out good. Things didn't end so well. You've got Rehoboam, son of Solomon. He was an evil king. You've got Abijah, son of Rehoboam. He was an evil king. Asa, son of Abijah. He was an evil king. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa. He was a good king. Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat. Evil king. Azariah, evil king. Athaliah, the mother of Azariah, evil. And as you can see, there had been a steady decline from where King David was, a man after God's own heart, Evil, evil, 
evil, good, evil, 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 evil. And when you study these kings, you'll find out the Bible says this, and they were more, even more evil than their pre, uh, the one they, they took over from. They were even more evil. And, and you've got Athalia uh, uh, who, who, when her son got killed, this is what she did. She killed the entire royal family with the exception of a baby boy named Joash. And the only reason she didn't kill Joash is because his nurse picked him up, ran, and hid him. And, and so Athalia ruled over the land, but in the seventh year of her reign, Jehoiada, he is a leading priest in the kingdom. And he's like, this woman is evil. She's got to be taken down. And the only one that was the rightful throne belonged to Joash, this seven-year-old boy. And so what they did is they, they, uh, Jehoiada began to put this plan together with the palace guards and army to announce Joash, this seven-year-old boy, as the new and rightful king. So they bring Joash in. He, uh, uh, who had been the previous king's son, they bring him out to the public, put the king's crown on his head, and proclaim him, anoint him. And the Bible says they begin to clap their hands and shout, Long live the king. Well, Athalia heard all the commotion, all the people shouting, all of it going on, found out what was going on, and she began to shout, Treason, treason. Well, Jehoiada, the priest, orders the captains over the army to bring Athalia out, put her to death with the sword along with anyone that was following her. How many followers do you think she had at that point? Yeah. So this sets off a string of events. 2 Kings 11. Here's some things that happened. Verse 18. The people went and tore down the house of Baal. All the, all the altars and images of Baal, a false idol, they were torn down. They killed the priests of Baal. The, the people rejoiced because worship of the one true God was finally restored and reestablished and put in order. What does that sound like? That sounds to me like the beginnings of revival. The beginnings of true transformation. The process had started. It was coming to Judah. The people were excited, and that's where we're going to jump in today. 2 Kings chapter 12, starting with verse 1. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. That sounds like a pretty good start, right? He did all that were, come on, he did all that was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now let's jump over to 2 Chronicles 24. This is a few years later. It goes from, he did all that was right in the eyes of the Lord. Look at this. After the death of Jehoiada, who's the Jehoiada? The priest. The officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord. Are you hearing this? They abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. What happened? How do you go from being on the verge of revival to now just abandoning God altogether? I mean, how, how do you do that? Now, I want to jump over. No, let's stay, let's stay right here. Because here's one thing. From the outside, Joash looked like he had things going on, right? I mean, but on the inside, here's the problem. The heart of God had not been revived in him. Here's the problem. He had been living off Jehoiada's heartbeat for God. Man, you see that a lot today. Someone, people that their heartbeat has never been revived to God, they're just living off somebody else's heartbeat. See, as long as Jehoiada was there to tell him and show him what to do, Joash was faithful. But the moment Jehoiada's gone, so is Joash's faith and passion for God. And here's what we need to understand if you're taking notes. True revival starts with the posture of your heart. Your heart. 
your heart. See, there were those here last week that experienced the move of God. And man, they left here fired up, but by Tuesday, they were back to the same old, same old. Why? Because they came in here and they began to feed off somebody else's heartbeat for God. And the problem is, when they separated, well, because they had never had their heartbeat revived by God, and they were living off somebody else's, when they drove home, that will only last so long. How many know that? It will only last so long. You can only live that long. There, there were people here that almost experienced breakthrough. They almost experienced being set free from some sin or addiction where we almost burn with God's passion. I don't know about you. I don't want almost. How is it that we've almost had, had all those almost moments, but they didn't last? I believe the story of Joash and Jehoiada gives us five steps to almost experience revival. Almost experience it. Five steps. Here's the first one. You want to almost have revival? Listen to the wrong voices. Listen to the wrong voices. It's amazing to me when revival began to break out at all these other places, Asbury Lee, all these, the critics that came out, they criticized, and I'm convinced of this. See, here's the because something good is happening there, but not to them, they criticize. And I'm going to tell you, we got to be careful the voices we allow to speak into us. If you're allowing people to speak things over this person. Somebody asked me, um, there, there, was, there was a couple of documentaries come out. One was about Mars Hill. One was about uh, uh, Hillsong. And they, and they said, Pastor, do you watch? I said, no, and I will not watch them. Why? Because everybody on that has a skewed view of what God was doing there. And I'm not going to allow a voice because I, there was too many good things that happened there. Too many breakthroughs that happened there for me to allow a voice to speak into me that, that it's going to belittle what God did do there. So I don't have time for it. But, but I also want to think about this. What, remember what Paul said in Romans 10, 17? He said, faith comes by what? Wait, faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing. If faith comes by hearing, I'm going to assume it must be really important what we listen to. See, listening to wrong voices will keep you from revival. It'll keep you from getting a breakthrough. In fact, it'll keep you in the desert for 40-plus years. Anybody remember, if you're in our yearly Bible reading program, we just read about the children of Israel, and you know where most sent out these 12 spies to spy out the promised land. And so they go to check it out. Sure enough, man, it is everything that they thought it would be and more. It's the, you got 10 of those spies come back and said, it is flowing with milk and honey. Man, the grapes, we, we had to pick up, we, we had to put the grapes on the thing and two people carry it. I mean, it is all that, but, man, they're giants there. We're grasshoppers in their sight. We're little. We shouldn't do anything. We shouldn't take it. Then you've got Caleb and Joshua, two out of the 12. said, no, we've got, God said it's ours. Let's go get it. Amen. But guess what the people, who the people listen to? Faith comes by hearing. And so their faith was shaped by what these 10 people said other than what these two people said. And because of that, some of them never got to see the promised land. And those that did get to see it, it took them 40 years to get there. I'm wondering how many of us, we've been working on our freedom. We've been working on our sobriety. We've been working on things. But the reason we've been working on it so long is because we're allowing voices of someone telling us we can't do that, can't be that, can't break free, other than the voice of God that says you can. That was good. I'm going to clap for myself. 
Joash started out strong on the verge of true revival. And I want to read again to show you what happened here. 2 Chronicles 24, 17, 18. And notice the underlying part. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came, paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. He listened to them. And after he listened to them, look what they did. They abandoned the temple of God. They went back to their idol worship. See, as long as Joash had Jehoiada speaking into him, listening to that voice, he was good. He was on, pa- on, pa- on, on track. But the moment Jehoiada died and he allowed other voices to begin to speak in him because he didn't have the heartbeat of God in him, he abandoned God. Which makes me ask, who or what are you listening to? What are you watching on TV, social media, TikTok, the news? Those things matter more than you realize, guys. And if if you know me, I know I look legalistic, but I'm not legalistic at all. Uh, I'm not legalistic. I, I like secular music. I listen to secular music. But if you don't think you better watch what secular music you're allowing into you, you don't think it's shaping you, See, here's the problem. When you fill your mind with what they think sex looks like, with what they think love looks like, with what they think things look like, don't be surprised when suddenly things that you held sacred, things that you held up as values, now they're no big deal. Because faith comes by hearing. And your faith gravitates whatever you're allowing to pour into you. Whatever you're allowing to come into you. He abandoned God, reinstated everything that had been torn down after he listened to them. See, one of the big problems that, uh, of Josiah had is he had this mindset that a lot of Christians today have. He thought he could mingle worship of the true God with the lies over here. Are you hearing me? Here's what I believe. Our our young people, not just our young people, but young adults, they're in the middle of the biggest identity crisis I believe we've ever faced. And it's because the voices are saying, hey, you're this, you're that. You're this gender, you're that gender, you're this way, you're that way. And those voices are getting so loud that they can't hear God say, listen, I created you. You are my beloved. I love you. And our faith is being shaped. One of the the, uh, things that was said in that movie, uh, the guy, he said this, he said, he said, lies are loud. Truth is quiet. And I'm going to tell you, our world is coming at us with lies upon lies. And they think, and, and a lot of times we think just because it's loud and sounds powerful, well, it must be true. But it takes getting quiet and hearing his voice. The second way to almost experience revival depends on somebody else's relationship with God. Jehoiada was, or Joash was relying on Jehoiada's relationship with God, not his own. When you read this whole story, you see that the, 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 the convictions that Joash had weren't his own. They were convictions that Jehoiada had. So when Jehoiada died, guess what? So did those convictions. They all went. And that's the problem because if you don't have your own convictions, if you don't have your own relationship with God, it's going to be very easy for you to get straight away. See, your relationship with God, listen, cannot be leader-based. It cannot be based. Your your relationship with God cannot be mom and dad-based, grandma, grandpa-based. It cannot be pastor-based. You know why? Because all those people are human beings, and they fall, and they fail. And if that's where your relationship with God is in that person, when they fall, when they mess up, and they will, so does your relationship with God go. 
I, let me tell you one of the most cringe-worthy moments as a pastor Denise and I had. This was we had been pastors like two or three years. The staff and leadership will remember this because they knew how much I hated it and wished that I could have got on my belly and crawled off stage without anybody seeing me. But it was Pastor Appreciation Day. And I know they thought it was great. I know that they, they, they didn't mean, but they bring Denise and I up on stage, set us down in these two chairs right here. And they, along with their children's choir, began to sing this song, Hero. And I was like, if I could just, maybe, Kelly, can you fake a heart attack? <laughs> can't just fall out. Why? Because I know me. I'm no hero. Here's, what, here's why I'm amazed at what God is doing here and why I believe he picked Denise and I. Because here's the thing. We're just as jacked up as most of you. And God still chooses to use us. And, and I believe he does that. So, so that when revival breaks up, when things happen, there's no way people can say, yeah, I knew it. Look at Kelly. I knew it would happen. They're like, are you serious? I mean, you think most people, when they heard Kelly Goins was coming back to pastor where his, and take over his dad, they were like, oh, no, please, no. In fact, some of them were like, not just no, but hell no. It can't be happening. That was a relay. That was it's like, no, no. Why? Because, man, they knew me. They knew me. And God had to begin to change some things inside of me. And I, that's why I say, man, if we look to leaders, they're going to let us down. They're going to let us down. You, you, you've got to have it for yourself. See, I can get up here week in and week out, tell you how much I want to see us revived, how much I want to see your dreams revived, you spiritually revived, your marriages, your relationship revived. But here's the thing, if you don't want it, it doesn't matter how much I want it for you. I believe it takes a group of people that won't change, that will be honest enough to say, you know what, I need a reawakening. That'll be honest and say, you know what, I'm not as passionate as I used to be. I need something. And I believe it takes a group of people willing to repent and begin to seek God with all their heart. See, I believe that what, what I do here as a pastor, I, I, I believe it plays some part in it. I, I do. I mean, I can share the vision. I can pray. I can worship. But no matter what I do here as the pastor or leader, revival will not happen if people are not looking and wanting it. Posture your heart. The third, say, the third way you can almost have revival, ignore the high places. Ignore your high places. And let me explain that. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 12, uh, verses 2 and 3. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. All the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. So what happened? Verse 3. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. You want to almost have revival? Ignore your high places. What were the high places? When you study, one study I read said that the Hebrews, uh, when, they, when they fell into adultery, they, they would perform these uh, sacred rites and these sacrifices at, uh, up in the high places, up in the hills. And the problem was, though, they didn't just perform those sacrifices to idols. They tried to mix it with God, too. See, when you dig into the books of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you see that a lot of kings would play both sides. I worship the one true God. I also worship Baal. If God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to depend on Baal. If Baal doesn't, I, we do that too. We place our side bets. I'm believing God's going to do it. But if he don't, I got this plan over here. We've all got our high places. Maybe you don't have a literal altar or pole that you worship, but you've got your own high places that are hidden in the hills of your life. I mean, you know the places I'm talking about, places that haven't been completely surrendered to God yet. 
that sin, that anger, those habits, those addictions, those relationships, pride. Here's a big one, unforgiveness. Your identity. See, I'm talking about those areas that we really don't want God's input on because we know what he has to say about it. So we don't even go to him with them. And the thing is, we can talk about how much we love God. We can come in here every Sunday, sing our hearts out, lift our hands. But until we love God more than those things we've not surrendered, we'll never experience lasting revival. I mean, you read through verses 4 through 16 uh, of this chapter, and it has all the makings of true, authentic revival. Then Joash, though, hits a crisis. How many know a crisis will reveal whether it's your faith or you've been living off somebody else's faith? A crisis will reveal whether it's your heart beating for God or whether you've been living off somebody else's heartbeat for God. And that's what happens here. 2 Kings 12, 17, 18. You look at this. About this time, Hazael, king of Aram, went up and attacked Gath, captured it. He turned to attack Jerusalem. But Joash, king of Judah, took all the sacred objects dedicated by his predecessors, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, as a, well, whatever that name is, the kings of Judah. I should have just said it quick and went on. And the gifts he himself had dedicated. Who did he dedicate them to? God. All the gold found in the treasure of the temple of the Lord and of the royal palace. And he sent them to Haziel, king of Aram, who then withdrew from Jerusalem. Joash hears how Aram attacked Gath, took over it, and now they're coming for him. See, this is a big revealer of the almost revival that Joash and Judah had. Joash, when he hears, hey, they're, they're coming for us, that they've already conquered one place, they're coming for us. It's amazing to me that Joash never says, hey, let's pray. Let's call out to God. Hey, let's call it a prayer night. Let's call it a prayer vigil. Get everybody, hey, for the next 24 hours, we're prayer, praying, and we're going to fasting, and we're going to cry out to God. No, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He takes the things that have been dedicated to God's temple and tries to bribe the king. That brings us to the fourth thing. If you want to almost have revival, surrender the sacred. Surrender the sacred. The things you once dedicated to God, take them back and give them to your enemy. See, it's easy for us to read this story and go, what are you doing, Joash? Those things were dedicated to God. And now here you are giving them to the enemy? Don't do it. But the truth is, we do the very same thing. We dedicate our lives to God, our time to God, our gifts, our talents to God, our finances to God. I'll never forget when we first moved up here, Zion, I think, was like 13 years old playing football at the middle school. And uh, he was a starter, but they had practice on Wednesday nights. Well, Zion had youth, 412 on Wednesday nights. You know, not one time did Zion ever come to us and say, Mom, Dad, can can I miss youth tonight to go to football practice? Not one time. Even though he knew missing football practice might meant that he didn't get to start that week. It meant he might have to run some laps for missing practice. Why? Because as parents, we weren't willing to surrender the sacred. Here's what we knew. Our son at 13 years old was watching mom and dad. How important is church? How important is being there? How important is it? And he knew that mom, this was an area that mom and dad were not willing to surrender or give up. So many of us, we dedicate our time to God and we tell God, I'm all in, I'm yours, whatever you want, whenever you want. But then when something else calls, 
so easily surrender the sacred. You want to hear what Bill Gates says about Sunday morning church? This was in a 1997 interview with Time Magazine. Here's what Bill Gates thinks about Sunday morning church. Just in terms of allocation of time, resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. We read that most of us would be like, man, what a horrible thing to do. Truth is, there's so many times that we don't show up on Sunday just because there's a lot more we could be doing with our Sunday mornings. And basically, we surrender the sacred for a little extra sleep. We surrender the sacred and not realizing, man, that could be the one service where God just transforms your life, your kid's life, your marriage. That could be the day he, he totally just delivers you from addiction. But we, we, we're willing to surrender the sacred. What about finances? I know this is a touchy subject. We dedicate our finances to God. We start out in 2022 or 23 like, I'm going to tithe this year. I'm all in. I'm going to trust God with my finances. But the moment money gets tight or we see something else we want more, we surrender the sacred. What about dating and relationships? You start out strong, God. I'm not just going to date anybody this time. I'm going to wait for you to bring the man, the woman, the husband and wife into my life. By the weekend, you're lonely and you're scrolling your dating apps. Just looking for a hookup. Just looking for something to not make you feel lonely anymore. And you choose to surrender the sacred. And I hope you hear my heart on this church. Again, I'm not a legalistic person. I I don't believe you can earn your salvation. I I don't believe our salvation is is work-based. I don't believe that. I don't believe how much God loves you is based on what you do or don't do. I don't believe that. But having said that, I do believe that if we want more than almost revival, if we want real, lasting, authentic revival, if we want our passion for God, our joy, our dreams, our marriages, and relationships to be kindled, then we must come to terms with this. All our resources, time, energy, gifts, talents, our kids, it's all God's anyway. It's His. Because we cannot afford surrender the sacred any longer here's the one thing about surrendering the sacred in your life if you do it once you may feel bad about it you do it twice you feel a little bad about it but the more you surrender the sacred the easier it gets Hmm. Joash almost had revival he didn't have his own faith or a relationship with God. He listened to the wrong voices. He ignored the high places in his life and he surrendered the sacred. And I'm closing. Joash had all the makings of true revival. But look at him in 2 Chronicles 24. Although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, to revive them, to rekindle their fire. And though they testified against them, they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, son of Jehoiada. You remember Jehoiada, the priest? Well, this is his son. He stood before the people and said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's command? You will not prosper because you're forsaken the Lord. He has forsaken you. Get this. But they plotted against him, Zechariah, and by order of the king, Joash, who was Jehoiada, Zechariah's dad, had been really kind to Joash. By order of the king, they stoned Zechariah to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. 
King Joash did not remember the kindness of Zechariah's father, Jehoiada, had shown him, but killed his son, who said it as he lay dying, may the Lord see this and call you to account. Here's the thing about God. Even after, even after Joash had, had, had abandoned God, had re reinstituted the worship of idols, God still showed him mercy to send somebody to him and say, please, turn back. Don't do this. The final way to almost experience true revival. Ignore the call to repentance. Ignore the call to repentance. This morning in our prayer time, if Bob, if you'll come on out. Go ahead and get the team to come on out. That way they... We prayed, man, and and we, we'd had a great prayer at, 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 uh, before service. And I was getting ready to close it. And Bob says, hey, PK, can I, can I say something? And he began to share with me what he's saying. And I was like, man, that is one of my points. I got to have you share. Does Bob have, share? Yeah. Um, Friday. Friday evening, Pastor Kelly asked us to come up here as a staff and, and, and our, uh, like our key volunteers and because he wanted to pour into us and, uh, and pretty much just, you know, talk to us about what's going on, uh, about revival and wanted to worship with us and everything. And um, I didn't want to come. And just being honest, I'm a, I'm a father of a two and a half month old baby. And Friday nights are the only nights that I don't have kids in my house. So the last place I want to be, I love Jesus, the last place I want to be on a Friday night is right here, <laughs> so um, so I come in, I don't have a bad attitude, I don't have a bad attitude, but I'm, you know, begrudgingly here, uh, as soon as I walk in the doors, I go straight into business mode, and I I get the uh, the PowerPoint up up and running, I, I get the, you know, everything else has got to be done, because this has got to be done in order to get everything, and that's what I'm doing, and I'm sitting back there, and I'm kind of just like, why am I here, you know, like, I don't want to be here. And then I'm watching, um, I'm watching as, as we start to worship, you know, um, I am a worship leader. And so a lot of times I'm up here like cheerleading and everything. And I'm just watching, I just kind of sat back and I'm just watching, and I'm listening. And I just feel the presence of God so strong in the place. And it just kind of like just blanketed over me. And it was just this warm feeling that I felt. And it just like covered me. And it wasn't because of anything that I did or anything that I said. And it was because... Um, it was because of like just hearing everybody else, like, hearing what they were saying and, and watching uh, the people that are my leaders on my team start to move and work in, in, in God. And, and I came in this morning. We come in here very early. Um, so we're here at 620, 630, and immediately I'm in business mind. I've got to get everything going. we got to fix the lights because these lights were out because we had a storm and because of this, and we have to this and this and this. And so I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and, and as, as I always am. And then we go through rehearsal, and it just feels very business-minded. And we have a, a few minutes that we can sit down as a team and just worship before we start the 9 a.m. service. And the whole time we're sitting there on that first song, I'm just I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, God, I just want to feel you again, but I can't right now, and I don't know why. I don't know why. And I'm trying, and I'm trying to just sit there and just be quiet, and I'm trying to listen, but I can't, I can't hear you. I can't feel you. And... I don't know why, and I just want you to reveal yourself to me because I want to feel what I felt on, on Friday. I want to feel that same thing again. And so then uh, they kind of switch up the pace a little bit. They go into a raise a hallelujah, and it's like this big up and cheery song, and I stand up, but I'm not moving my mouth, and I'm just standing here, and I'm just trying to hear. And I'm like, God, please reveal yourself to me because I need to feel that again. I need to feel your presence. And I've got my eyes closed, and I see this pattern like going across my eyes and uh and it was like it was it looked like a lava lamp and um and it was just like he was revealing to me exactly why I couldn't feel what I wanted to feel and I see this lava lamp and it's like it's almost like uh it's like when oil meets water you know what I'm saying and it, and, th and that's what I can see and it's kind of slowly just moving and I'm like and then I hear this audible voice that says I can't mix with with sin 
And I'm like, God, if there's sin in my heart, I don't even realize there's sin in my heart, man. Like I, like I try to do good. That's what I try to do. And I, I try to be a good husband. I know in the 9 a.m. I probably sounded like I, I beat my wife and I don't. But since Friday, I mean, like I've, 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 been, I've been in an argument with her. I'm not the best person. I've neglected my kids, I'm sure, you know. But here's, here's the biggest thing. I think for me, and, and I think what just broke me on Friday is a lot of times I come in here, and, and, and for me personally, this is me getting real, for me personally, and, and I don't do this in a cocky way or in like a, or anything like that, but it's just a, I get in this mindset of like, if I don't do this, it won't get done. And if it doesn't get done, then God can't move. And that was God's way of saying, dude, just sit down and shut up and watch me work through everybody else. And I'm, and I'm humbled. I'm humbled by that. But the, the thing that I started doing this morning is as soon as I said that, I just started repenting. I said, God, I, whatever I've done, whatever I've done, if there's anything in my heart, God, clear it out. I need to repent right now. And as I do this, I just started watching those like bubbles start to take over. And I, my eyes are closed. I even opened my eyes to see if I was like, if there was something going on, if I was like, what was doing? And I just see it. And there's just like this, this glaze of just like this thick molasses, this honey. It was just like over my eyes, and that's when I just started feeling the presence of God. That's when I felt it this morning, was when I finally began to repent. Amen. That brings us to the last point. There is no intimacy with God without repentance. If we're going to experience real revival, that posture of the heart, as a posture of repentance. And again, you may, I, I'm telling you, God has been so real with me about even the, the smallest things in my life. I share this at 9 a.m., like, but yesterday as Denise and I was out, you know, I've been, uh, Denise has been sick. She has a feel well, and I feel like, okay, I've got to take care of her. Okay, i got to take care of things at church. Okay, they're having prayer up there. I've got to, they're expecting the pastor to be at prayer. i got to be there. i got to do this. And I kind of snap at her. I mean, I didn't know how, but it's just smart, Ellie. And I look, and I look at her a couple minutes later, and I said, babe, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that I snapped at you. I'm sorry that I spoke to you like that. And she's, you know, she, Denise is very gracious. It's okay, babe. I said, no, it's not okay. No matter what kind of day I'm having, you don't deserve that. And you know what happened in that moment? Intimacy was restored. I mean, we weren't mad at each other, but a little more intimacy was restored. And that's what happens with God. The moment we start saying, God, that's why the psalmist said this, God, show me. Search my heart, God. Show me, because there's some things in here that maybe I've been doing so long, I just got used to them being there, didn't realize they were sin. Search my heart, God. Show me if there's any offensive thing, anything in me. Show me. We want revival. This is where it starts. Aren't you tired of almost breaking free? Aren't you tired of almost having person or purpose? Aren't you tired of almost having that relationship restored? Almost having that addiction broken off of you? Almost knowing who you are? Aren't you tired of just almost getting there? But not quite. I believe God is calling us as a body time of repentance and that means back to our first works in Revelation 2 Jesus says this in the church of e at Ephesus man I see what you're doing you're doing a lot of you're busy doing church and you're doing church really good you've got all the things about church man you, you're your, your kids program spot on your nursery man your greeters your body I, you're doing everything. Man, you've got a great light show. You've got all that. But here's what I've got against you. You left your first love. You left your first love. See, I, I can be very guilty uh, because I'm a musician at, at the core. 
know, we were worship pastors for 20 plus years. I am, I am a musician. I, and I hear things that other people don't hear. And I was telling Bob, I said, man, I said, I was somewhere where Bob was helping lead worship. And I said, I had to, honestly, because the enemy knows, it began to get in my head. And I started noticing all the missed notes. I started noticing this. And I said, God, please. I just want to worship you. I don't care what it sounds like. I want to get to the place where it's not about the show. It's just about me and you. Stand with me across this room. Bradley, I'm going to go to this mic here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Bob then to sing this. Hey, Bob, just sing that first verse. And I don't want you to let these words get into you what he's saying. Cause I don't want to be familiar Treat it like it doesn't matter I don't want to lose the wonder I don't want to lose the wonder of your presence I don't want to come in time I don't want to come in time I want to run I just want to run in like a child Caught up in the joy and wonder of your presence. That's what I'm talking about. A lot of times we feel so entitled or we come and we get, the church becomes just normal to us. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up this altar. You don't need anybody laying hands on you. This is you talking to God. I repent. I repent. Maybe it's, God, I repent because I've been trying to mix the things of God with the things of this world, and it's just not mingling. Or, God, I repent because I've been a jerk to my wife, my husband, my kids. God, I repent because I've neglected this or neglected that. God, I repent because I've, I've grown numb to your presence and have just treated church as just something we do. So I want to open up.